Well, the Dodgers pulled a fast one on us. They decided to introduce Yoshinobu Yamamoto on pretty short notice on Wednesday. The Wednesday 3 p.m. press conference that had been rumored early in the week ended up happening, uh, and the Dodgers announced it just like three hours beforehand. A lot to take away from that. Uh, Yamamoto's first impressions with the Dodger fans and our first impressions of him, uh, some comments from Brandon Gomes and Dave Roberts and Stan Kasten, a lot of stuff from that press conference, plus uh, some co comments about what the Dodgers' expectations are and whether they're done this offseason. We're going to talk about all that, so let's get locked on, Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now. Then you can be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My co-host next to me is Vince Samperio. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like a lot of you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And Vince, uh, we talked yesterday about how, uh, well, I talked two days ago about how the Dodgers are going to be introducing Yoshinobu Yamamoto on Wednesday. And then we talked yesterday about how apparently that wasn't going to happen because they hadn't announced any uh, any press conference for Wednesday afternoon. And then Wednesday morning, uh, uh, it leaked out on Twitter uh, via a source uh, through my fingers that the press conference was happening after all. And then about an hour and a half after I tweeted it, the Dodgers finally announced it. They made the signing of Yoshinobu, Yoshinobu Yamamoto official and they announced the press conference for 3 p.m uh i guess getting the the particulars out of the way the corresponding move was dfaing brian hudson which when there wasn't a trade that was what we all expected the the move to be um and it seems to me like maybe it was just a case of they they thought they might have a trade and by wednesday morning they decided okay uh, they were either going to have a trade in place or they were going to officially not have a trade in place. And either way, they were ready to announce Yamamoto. And so they they did it. And, uh, you know, I don't think Yamamoto's press conference is going to be quite as big as far as number of attendees as Shohei Otani's was anyway. But it was maybe artificially deflated. Uh, probably, what, half as many reporters at this one as Otani's. Uh, but still a pretty good turnout for a, a short notice press conference. Yeah, I mean, all the the regulars for sure were there in terms of the normal LA Dodger media, uh, you know, definitely a lot less cameras and the area where the media was compressed a little bit instead of rows of 20 seats across, it was rows of 10 seats across, but yeah, still a good turnout. And, you know, still for three hours notice, I mean, I'm sure everybody kind of had it on their radar because of the reports over the weekend. And, you know, maybe even some of the Japanese media, whoever it was that reported maybe they trust them a lot and you know we're already kind of ready because uh you know for for three hours i mean luckily for me i live close enough but for some people they you know 
luckily also traffic this week is still kind of like a probably a, a half work week for some people or like not really because the freeways have been kind of empty compared to normal so but yeah i mean all in all it was a good turnout and uh you know yamamoto we finally got to hear from him see him and uh see what you know he was about and what brought him to LA yeah and and maybe the most important thing as far as first impression goes uh dude's a snappy dresser you know Jerry Hairston was saying on Sportsnet LA that uh Mookie Betts might have some competition for nicest dresser on the team uh you you were particularly impressed by the Nike socks under the under the suit pants uh that I've done that plenty of times in my life inside the the inside lining of the coat suit coat was really not like it was a a good looking suit and he uh you know he's not the physical specimen specimen that Shohei Otani is he is a lot more like Mookie Betts when it comes to stature um but I mean Mookie has proven that little guys can can wear it really well and and in a lot of ways maybe even better than than guys who you know like Shohei Otani is always going to look impressive but with those shoulders and everything, it's hard to look like super fashionable, I guess. You know, he's going to look good, but but I, I feel like the littler guys maybe have an advantage as far as being able to pull off a, a really nicely tailored suit. Yeah, he definitely looked good. And, you know, as always, even with these kind of new uniforms that are out there that we haven't touched on 100%, but uh, that we've noticed, he still looks good in Dodger Blue. Most, most people, almost everyone does. And, uh, yeah, he he added to that uh, being somebody that looks good in Dodger blue. Yeah. And it was a, a good looking suit. So maybe that's a, the, the most important thing, but I guess we'll talk about the other things too. Uh, no, you know, you, you mentioned, we, we talked about, there were fewer media in attendance. There was also fewer Dodger representatives in, in attendance. Uh, notably absent were Andrew Friedman and Mark Walter, who were both obviously front and center for the Otani press conference. And most likely this is just as simple as, you know, they were on vacation and, uh, you know, they don't necessarily, you don't need the entire front office at, at a press conference. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe it was short notice for them too. And, you know, if, if Andrew Friedman's in Cancun or something, you know, it, it's hard to get from Cancun to LA on three hours notice or even six hours notice or eight hours notice. Uh, and and so it, it probably as simple as that, you think, I would imagine so. I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be there if they could be there. There was some other Dodger media or yeah, Dodger like admin media, whatever that weren't there in terms of like the PR team and everything else. So I think it was just all hands on deck for whoever was there. Uh, there was some new faces I saw that were in positions that you know they probably aren't used to. So I think it was just a, okay if you're not on vacation, uh, we need you at Dodger Stadium for today. Yeah, I uh, going back to the the jersey. Uh, I, I'm just looking through right now, and I don't see any photos. And you were there in person, so maybe uh, did you get a chance to see Yamamoto's jersey from the back? Because one of the weirdest things about Otani's was Otani's relatively short last name looks kind of extra small between Otani's huge shoulders and his short last name. Yeah, I think it looked a little bit weird. Yamamoto has smaller shoulders and a and a longer last name. Did did, did that look any different to you uh, on his jersey? Uh, the Dodgers posted a photo where you can kind of see. It doesn't look as bad as a short name, but you can tell that, you know, it's a little bit different in the curve. And then, like, the numbers are, like, kind of look like mesh or something uh, if you look really close at it. So it's definitely different. Um, 
But yeah, I think the dark poster picture, you can kind of tell in there that it looks a lot different than okay. times past. Yeah, it w- maybe we'll have to have a conversation at some point about the new uniforms because they're definitely, definitely different. Um, Yamamoto started his press conference with reading a statement in English. And then, you know, he read basically the first paragraph of his statement in English, and then he switched to Japanese. His interpreter uh, read it in, in English, you know, periodically he'd take a break and the interpreter would catch up both reading from prepared statements. Uh, we'll dig into that a little bit when we come back, uh, talk about what he had to say, him doing some of it in English, all of that. So uh, thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen and please keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Moneyline bet simply means you choose who's going to win the game, and if you're right, you win the $150 in bonus bets as long as you bet at least $5. You don't need to worry about covering the spread or picking an over-under or anything like that. It's simply you see a game, you think, and, and the playoffs are coming up. Maybe that's a good time. Uh, if, if you know, you, you have a strong inkling in a playoff game, uh, you know, who's going to win bet five bucks on it. And if you're right, you get 150 bucks in bonus bets. It couldn't be easier. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hey, we're back. We want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Especially want to thank our everydayers, those of you who are with us every weekday morning. If you're not an everydayer, it's easy to become one. Just watch or listen every weekday morning. Uh, you can also become a Locked On Dodgers insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Dodgers. You just sign up there. Uh, it's just a few bucks a month, uh, free two-week trial, and you can interact with us on text message. We were having a lot of fun on that group today. Uh, with all of the the news about Yamamoto's press conference. Uh, Got several new insiders joined today, and so it was a lot of fun interacting with several of you today. Uh, So if you want to join that club, uh, just go to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnDodgers. And we want to remind you that LockedOn has two different 24-7 streaming channels on YouTube. Actually, they have several, but two that might be of interest to you. There's LockedOn Sports Today and LockedOn Sports Los Angeles. Uh, obviously locked on sports today covers all the sports in the country and locked on sports Los Angeles specifically focuses on LA sports. Uh, this podcast will definitely be on locked on sports Los Angeles every day. And a lot of days with all the, the big news coming from the Dodgers these days, we will be on locked on sports today a lot too. So check those out on YouTube, 24 seven streaming. And if you're watching this episode on YouTube, we'd love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through social media or email, any of those ways that we will give you at the end of the episode, like we always do. And with that said, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting Vince for uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto to start his press conference by reading in English. Uh, I thought that was impressive of him to to give that a shot. Try to, uh, you know, obviously you, you could tell he was much, much more comfortable speaking Japanese uh, than he was uh, reading a prepared statement in English. And that's to be expected, uh, just like you or I would be much more comfortable uh, reading in English than in Japanese. In fact, you and I would both be entirely unsuccessful at even reading one sentence in Japanese, uh, whereas he was very successful in reading an entire paragraph. And then 
he did move to uh, speaking in Japanese with his interpreter uh, doing English. I thought that prepared statement was uh, handled really well uh, with the interpreter having the the statement also, so he was able to just read. Uh, may, maybe on his on the fly interpreting, uh, it, we'll we'll say it's a work in progress, uh, and that's that's to be expected too. Um, he can learn from Ipe uh, a little bit as the season goes on, uh, but overall, what were your impressions of his statement? I mean, it was, it was cool to see him come out and, and speak English. We found out after from his agent that uh, Yamamoto's sister teaches English in Japan. So he's been working with her in order to, you know, learn more English to be over here. Dave Roberts, after the press conference, said that he challenged Yamamoto to work on his English and Yamamoto's challenging him, Dave Roberts to work on his Japanese. So they're going to challenge each other that way. So at the very least, he looks like he, you know, wants to learn English. I don't know if it'll ever be enough to, you know, do full interviews in, in English or not. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's always cool to, you know, see them trying to speak the language that most people there are going to understand. But again, you got to get to where you're comfortable to where you can answer the questions the way you want to. And that's kind of where, yeah, the interpreter comes into play in terms of if you just listen back to all the interpreter answers, it seems like Yamoto was kind of boring in a sense, uh, but not in, not in a way like not in a bad way, but just, you know, that that's, you're going to get a lot of cliche answers at, at some of these press conferences anyways, but it did seem like Yamoto was talking for longer than what some of the responses were. Yeah. And, and also he wasn't necessarily helped by the question askers. Uh, there, there's a lesson to be learned where if, if you have your hand up waiting for the mic and the person before you asks the question you were about to ask, either pivot to a different question or put your hand down. Uh, I think we could have benefited from some of that. We actually don't know exactly what some of the questions that were asked were uh, because they were asked in Japanese and, other than Dylan Hernandez's question, uh, the interpreter didn't remember to uh, interpret what the question was. He just interpreted the answer. And so with context, you could get the gist of what the question was a lot of the time. Uh, it, it was kind of fun to see Dylan Hernandez speaking Japanese. I think it's good that uh, that Yamamoto gets to enjoy one interaction with Dylan Hernandez before he uh, finds out the, the rest of the story there and, and never wants to talk to him again. Um, the uh, the I I think when we talked about interpreters, you know, I, I saw some criticism of Otani uh, for using an interpreter. You know, people say oh, he's been in the big leagues for six years. He's been in the United States for six years. You know, he, he definitely knows enough English to answer questions. And there have been a lot of of non-native English speakers who used interpreters for their entire careers when answering questions from the media. And the reason isn't because they can't speak English. It's because doing an interview in your non-native language is very daunting and it's really easy. It's, it's easy enough for us to flub an answer or to say something that doesn't come quite come out right, uh, you know, and, and that can be taken out of context or whatever when you're speaking in your native language, let alone when you're speaking in a language that isn't your native language. And so, you know, while Otani, I'm sure can carry on a conversation in English, we, we know Yasiel Puig was the same way. Like he could absolutely speak English, carry on a conversation, but he wasn't going to do his interviews in English because, you know, there's, it's way too easy to have things taken out of context or whatever. 
and, and maybe even there's a little bit of wiggle room to to come back after the fact and say, well, if you listen to my answer in in Japanese, what I actually said was this, and I know it got interpreted as this, you know, but I, I think there's that comfort level, and I think it's great. I, I think that uh, I, I I am all in favor of players being as comfortable as possible when talking to the media because imagine the, the cliche answers we get when he's speaking in his native language. Imagine how cliche it would be if they had to speak English in all their answers. And so they would just memorize all the cliche answers. Yeah. I mean, you go out and give it 110%. You know, it's not about the name on the front it's about, or not name on the back. It's about name on the front. And, you know, it's a good group of guys over there and got to give the other team credit and blah, 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 all the cliches. That's all they would ever give. And so at least when they're speaking their native language, we have a chance of getting interesting answers uh, if if interesting questions are asked. Yeah. So, you know, coming down to actually what he did say, why he chose the Dodgers, it was the will, the you know, the fact that they've won, that they were winning franchise and the will to win. You know, he mentioned that a few times in a few different of his answers of basically it all came down to winning and, you know, how much he loves winning and how much the Dodgers seem to love winning and be committed to winning. Uh, you know, he mentioned that Otani wasn't a sole reason that he came over, but, you know, was obviously a factor that Otani had told him, you know, just kind of Otani didn't pressure him in any way, just kind of told him, hey, you know, go where you feel most wanted. And Yamoto felt that that was L.A. He felt that, you know, getting to meet all the guys in person, uh, there was, I don't know if his agent said it or whoever said it, that, you know, some of the, or it was a report after that, some teams he met with their key players via Zoom. The Dodgers had Mookie and Freddie, and uh, I think, you know, Bobby Miller got added to that list, and Will Smith and whoever else was there. He got to meet them in, in person, and, and he said he got to feel a sense of the locker room, a sense of the clubhouse, and, and how it would be, and, you know, he liked that vibe. So it seemed like the Dodgers, you know, obviously we saw the money. Mets offered the same amount as the Dodgers. The Yankees came in right under at 300 mil. It probably was going to be the Dodgers regardless, but the Dodgers still went all out on their pitch in order to get them, and they got the guy they wanted. Yeah, and his agent, Jim Wolf, Jim, no, Jim, Joel. Um, Ron, Joel? One of those. From Wasserman Group. Yeah. Mr. Wolf from the Wasserman Group. Uh, was I think he was asked specifically about the Giants, and he uh, he said that uh, that Yamamoto was very impressed with the city of of. San Francisco, it reminded him a little bit of Osaka, I think, in Japan. Uh, and and he said, at least according to Fabian Ardaya's report, that he said that if the Dodgers hadn't been pursuing him, the Giants would have had a really good chance. Uh, that answer kind of tells you, like, e even though, you know, I, I believe that free agents really are interested in, in seeing all of their options, but it does seem like either somebody would have had to blow him away or the Dodgers would have had to really fumble in order for him to not sign with the Dodgers. And, and he did, he was asked actually by Dylan Hernandez in Japanese, if he really did grow up a Dodger fan and, and they kind of hedged on that said he liked the Dodgers, but he wouldn't say he was a Dodger fan. Um, and that could be as simple as, you know, I, I, I don't have a favorite. I wouldn't consider myself a fan of any MPB team, you know, uh, and, and it could be as simple as that. Are you going to be, say you're a fan of a team in another country? Maybe not. Uh, and so we don't know what the extent of his fandom was, but uh, we do know, and, and the same reasons when we did our sales pitch to Shohei Otani the day before he signed, uh, that was the, what pushed him over the edge to sign with the Dodgers. And, you know, the same sales pitch applies to Yamamoto. There is no other team in baseball 
that can offer the best chance at winning uh, like the Dodgers can. The, the Dodgers are the only team that has made the playoffs the last 10 years, 11 years. Uh, the, the other teams in the bidding, you know, the, the other two high bidders, the Mets and Yankees both missed the playoffs in the calendar year that we are currently in. And, and so like, while while they are good franchises and the future is looking bright and all that, the Dodgers are the only ones with a proven model of you are going to play in the postseason every single year, which means you are going to get chances to win multiple championships. Like, you know, and, and I love, we all loved when Otani said championships uh, and, and Yamamoto was more singular in his statement, but still, you know, you, you, you win the first one and then you got a chance to win the second one. And, and so there was no team that could make the kind of offer the Dodgers could, even if he wasn't a Dodger fan, the Dodgers made the most sense going in and the Giants uh, definitely don't. Uh, so, you know, it, it makes sense that uh, somebody would have had to really, really beat out the Dodgers. Yeah. And he did mention that he had been to a Dodger playoff game before he said it was Confusing whether if it was he was 19 or in 2019 because he said he also went to an A's playoff game and Eric Steven pointed out that the A's were in the playoffs in 2019 but not in 2017. Either way, somebody had to pitch at Dodger Stadium during a playoff game. It was either in the NLDS in 2019 or, or maybe in the World Series or one of those rounds in 2017, depending on what it was. But, I mean, he he said he loved you know the stadium. It was just a real feeling and everything else. And, you know, it's it's – easy to sell playing in that type of environment most nights that you're here, especially going into October. Yeah, even if salty Yankee fans who've never been to Dodger Stadium think that Dodger fans can't possibly care as much as Yankee fans do. Yeah, you know what? Uh, they sure do fill a stadium for a bunch of people who don't care. So uh, more to come about this press conference, including some interesting comments from Brandon Gomes and uh, Stan Caston afterwards. So Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen, and please continue to keep it Locked On Dodgers. Hey, we're back. Thank you again for making us your first listen every weekday morning, especially you everydayers. Remember, Locked On the Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day, and we've got two 24-7 streaming channels on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, giving you all the sports info you need uh, whether about all the sports in the country or if you want to focus specifically on Los Angeles, both channels are there for you. So check those out. Remember to become a Locked On Dodgers insider by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Dodgers. And with that said, uh, there were some interesting comments. So the, the the part of the press conference that streamed on the Dodgers YouTube channel and uh, all of their social media basically ended when Joe Davis said, well, that'll do it for the questions. And, and then everybody broke off into groups and I was watching on Sportsnet LA. And uh, so after that, Kirsten Watson was set up out in the outfield and got one-on-one -on -one interviews with Brandon Gomes and Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Dave Roberts and Stan Kasten and uh, Yamamoto. Uh, she asked him basically the same questions that have been asked during the press conference. And so, I guess everybody needs their own sound clips of him saying the same things. Uh, so not much of interest there. Stan Kasten, uh, who I, I, I've, I've implied in the past that maybe uh, he shouldn't be allowed to talk to the media, uh, but he did a pretty good job today, uh, including, you know, uh, he said, even right now at this minute, the Dodgers are 
uh, Andrew Friedman and his, and the front office are working on the next improvement to the team. And, you know, I don't know if that means, you know, it, it could mean the reason Andrew Friedman isn't here right now is because he is on a conference call with another general manager talking about a trade. Uh, but it, at the very least, it gave the strong implication that the Dodgers are not done. Yeah. And I mean, we expect that we know that they still have work to do. Like I said, we, if they go into the season with this current team as it is, they'd be a very good team and have the ability to add uh, at the deadline before the deadline, whatever the case was, but they still have the ability to improve now. And that's, you know, something that Otani mentioned, you know, winning and wanting to win and, you know, the front office, commitment to it uh you know uh, uh yamamoto said the same thing the commitment to winning the front office everybody looking to that the front office has said you know shout out to ownership for their commitment to winning and you know again uh you know when doe davis announced it he said the dodgers and guggenheim baseball you know welcome you so I, I, it is now into that way where you know guggenheim is is out there in terms of, okay, this is who owns the Dodgers and this is who is, you know, giving the Dodgers the go ahead to do all this stuff. So it's great to hear, great to hopefully see in the future. And, uh, you know, you know, we've seen it in the past, like the Dodgers have always tried to go after it, uh, you know, this year a little bit different than years past in terms of free agency and spending the money, but it's a commitment to winning that we've seen go on time and time on for over a decade now. Yeah, it, it does. You know, the the way that Guggenheim has kind of come out front and center with both of these press conferences for Otani and Yamamoto does, you know, I, I'm sure smarter financial minds than me would have opinions on does Guggenheim have strategies outside of baseball that that will focus on Japan, you know, because they knowing that a lot of people in Japan are watching these press conferences, getting that Guggenheim name out there. And, and the fact is, it's the Guggenheim group is the reason that the Dodgers are able to do this. The reason that the Dodgers, like we, we know Shohei Otani's side of it, of def deferring $68 million a year. Uh, the reason the Dodgers side is able to do that is because they are owned by a group that got rich enough to own a baseball team by being really good at investing. And so, you know, they have total confidence. Hey, you're giving us a two-year head start on the 68 million bucks. Yeah, we can definitely make that work and, and it'll totally be worth it to us. And uh, I would assume that at least some of that strategy involves they are going to be doing some new things with with regards to Japan. Uh, and so, you know, wh whatever it is, like we, we did have one, uh, one listener on YouTube complaining after Otani's press conference. Uh, I believe his words were, the Guggenheim logo was so big, I couldn't even see the Dodgers logo, which uh, is kind of the definition of hyperbole because the Guggenheim logo is quite a bit smaller than uh, the Dodgers logo. Uh, this listener does, uh, he does complain about everything, uh, but he keeps listening, keeps watching every day. So, you know, everydayers are everydayers, even if they only watch to be angry about something. And uh, I, I give him credit for continuing to be angry, despite the fact that the Dodgers are really going for it this offseason. Uh, so I'm sure he will have the same complaints about the Guggenheim logo logo uh, at this press conference. But uh, I, I think the the fact that the Dodgers are going for it, you know what? If the owners who are making that happen 
are getting some benefits from it too, great, because that inc increases the chances that next year they're going to go for it again. And the year after that, they're going to go for it again and keep going for it. And because the one thing that we as Dodger fans have come to expect is uh, we need a team with a chance of winning every single year. The Do Dodger fans won't settle for a rebuild. We won't settle for a crappy owners. We did the, the Frank McCourt thing and we're done with bad owners. And so uh, we, we expect to have a winning team every year. And, uh, and that's good. And, uh, as long as they're providing that to us, uh, not much else matters to me. Yeah. And that's kind of what, after the, after Yamamoto spoke, uh, Dave Roberts and Brandon Gomes were there for media in a general scrum. And, you know, they got asked about expectations and more than a few times expectations or heightened extra, you know, whatever the case, whatever the wording was. And I was standing there saying no, the expectations aren't any different. And that's exactly what Robertson Gomes said. Like the expectation before this season was to win a world series every year. The expectation after this is to win a world series every year. The fact that, you know, they signed Otani, signed Yamoto, where all this stuff is, I don't feel like you can add any more pressure. The Dodgers have been in the playoffs 11 years in a row, only won one world series title. They probably should have won two, but you know, regardless, they've only won one. That pressure is going to build every year, regardless of who they sign. They've lost in the NLDS the last two years after winning 100 plus games. They've lost in the NLDS, you know, three or in 2019 after winning 100 plus games. Like, there's no more pressure they can have. It's to win a World Series, and it's the same as it is before. And I don't think, you know, especially the players aren't going to feel any different. Uh, you know, Dave Roberts is not going to feel any different. And I don't think, you know, us fans feel any different. I feel like, you know, maybe us fans might feel like we have a better chance of winning the World Series than maybe before. But realistically, you know, we have the same chances every year, which is making it into the playoffs. Yeah, the Dodgers came in in 2023, uh, projected by everyone to finish second in the division. They finished nearly 20 games ahead of the team that was supposed to win the division. Dodgers won 100 games despite having terrible, terrible luck with their the health of their starting rotation. They lost pretty much everybody in the rotation at one point or another. They won 100 games, and then they referred to it as an organizational failure. That's the expectations this team has. They didn't win a World Series. They consider it a failure. We as fans don't have to consider it a failure. We've talked about that plenty. You know, I appreciate the six months, and, you know, I did not enjoy October of 2023. I hope to enjoy October 2024 a lot more. Uh, but the fact that this team can call it an organizational failure after exceeding everybody's expectations uh, shows you what their own internal expectations are. And that's not changing. Uh, they are working on improving their chances of meeting those expectations, but the expectations themselves remain the same for them. And uh, yeah, I do think that we as fans can be a little bit more excited about their chances of hitting those expectations. Brandon Gomes did say that they, he referred to this as a good way to cap off the year of 2023. So maybe they're not doing anything else these last few days of the, of the year, although I wouldn't bet on it, uh, but there's still work to be done. They are still going to try to improve their team. And, uh, you know, spring training is seven weeks away. And I can't wait to see what this Dodgers roster looks like when that starts. Yep. That's going to do it for today. It was an exciting day. Uh, some excitement we didn't necessarily expect. Although I did see on yesterday's, yesterday's episode, I expected Wednesday to be an, an action-packed day. Uh, maybe didn't expect exactly what we got. But it, it was a good day anyway. So, Thank you all for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. We really appreciate it. If you're not an everydayer, become one by watching or listening every weekday morning. It is a lot of fun talking Dodgers with you. We do about a half hour a day, perfect for your commute to work or while you're getting ready 
while you're making breakfast for your kids in the morning, uh, whatever you're doing, you can listen to Locked on Dodgers or watch it on YouTube. Be sure to check out the two uh, 24-7 streaming channels on YouTube from the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles. Remember to join uh, our Insiders Club by going to joinsubtext.com slash Dodgers. It's just a few bucks a month with a two-week free trial, and you can interact with us via text message through that club. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at VinceSince91. I am on Twitter at Snydog. Our DMs are open for both of us there. You can also email us, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail or a text message at 323-863-LOCK5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.